This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I am Matt Fonslow, and I got another rant. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, Napa Auto Tech Training. Napa Auto Tech offers three-hour virtual technical classes that can be accessed from the comfort of your home. To find out what courses are available, go to NapaAutoTech.com and click on the Napa Auto Tech class calendar link. So yeah, I have a rant concerning the ASC renewal app, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the app itself. I'm not implying it's perfect, but it's kind of neat. My rant is about us, those of us taking it, people making comments on it. I don't get it. I don't get it. So for one, it's the renewal app. So that means you can't take or use the renewal app unless you've previously been certified, which means at one point in time, you took the written or computer-based exam past demonstrating that you meet the minimum standard as set by industry. Okay, this has been covered a few times on a couple different podcasts, uh, especially ones I've been on concerning ASE. ASE doesn't set the standards. ASE does not have a meeting once a year or every few years where all the staff sits around with pizza and decide what the cut scores are. They assemble a group of representatives of the profession from the manufacturer's side, independent repair shop side, parts distribution and manufacturer's side. So there's a group of 25, 20, 30 people. They decide. They set it. The industry, members of the industry set what that standard is. What is the minimum knowledge level the test candidate should have to earn a credential? Okay. ASE is they're just there as a test developer. And I would say an administrator along with like Propmetric or and I guess then they monitor it as well, right? Because they have to, they have to make sure it meets criteria. These credentials have to be defensible in court. They have to make sure that it does that. So not to just sound like a big ASE booster, but I think they do that job quite well. So even to be able to use the renewal app, you've already demonstrated that you meet this minimum criteria. So now the renewal app is no longer really meant to test you anymore. It's not there to really discriminate between a knowledgeable and less knowledgeable candidate. They're not trying to necessarily make you earn this credential by proving yourself again. Do you meet the minimum standard to keep getting that credit or, you know, enough credits to earn your credential for a year? Yes, you have to get a certain number of questions right. But the nature of it is not so much to differentiate anymore. The whole point of the app is continued education expansion of your knowledge. That's more important than meet the cut score, meet the cut score. It's more about, can you continue to learn? And not just can, they're going to help you. So one of the most common comments that you see in some of the app questions is, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've never seen this. Or this is a very specific question about a very specific vehicle. Right. Well, for one, if you haven't seen it in 40 years, isn't it about time you saw it? And now the app did you a favor. Oh, you got the question wrong. There's going to be follow-up questions, sister questions, if you will, that are going to be sort of the same, but not 
but it's going to give you another chance. And there's a series of those. So it's like you don't have to go in panic mode when you get one wrong. You don't have to go in panic mode when you get two wrong. Again, the idea isn't to discriminate anymore. They're not trying to take your credential away from you or prevent you from getting that because you don't meet the standard. They're trying to help you expand your knowledge. So an easy one to pick on is NVH, noise, vibration, harshness, comments. Nobody tests this way, except most manufacturers at the dealership level. They either have the capability and they've been doing it not lately. They didn't start when the Pico NVH system came out. They've had the Vetronic system that's like 20 years old or the SPX Miller slash OTC. They had one as well. Or some of them had like a little gauge, like literally with a needle and they would set it on something solid or maybe even just on the carpet on the center tunnel, you know, because we're talking back in a day where front wheel drive would have been pretty rare, but it's, they were watching the needle. What's the frequency? And they would get an idea of which way to go or could. So to say nobody does that, it's, that is a completely blind statement. You don't find now's an opportunity to learn. And the thing is with these questions and the answers is they explain, they explain and they have to do it very concisely. And that maybe that's a dig. Maybe that's to its detriment. They have to keep the explanations rather short. They can't go into this big elaborate four paragraph explanation as to why this choice is wrong. This choice is right, but it should be enough to put you on the path to do a little bit of research. In fact, a lot of times, if not all, there's a link that takes you to some training article about it. So I'm beside myself reading these. Nobody tests that way. Nobody does that test. I've been doing this for decades. I've never seen this before. This is a a crap question. It seems to me then it really did its job. You have more to learn. If there was no app and we were just sitting in a restaurant and you were telling me how you've been doing this for decades and I say like, well, man, you probably have it all figured out now. You'd probably laugh at me like, oh man, every day I'm learning something. This freaking profession's always changing. Cars are always changing. But now it's an app to earn a credential or maintain a credential. Well, now it's all of a sudden it's a big deal. Like the what? The rules changed? Where? What? Granted, you can go take this written exam again or the CBT and travel wherever to the test center and you can take however many exams and then you'll be good for another five years. That is your choice and that is an option. It's a different philosophy, though. That exam you take with the CBT, the written, CBT meaning computer-based, that job is to discriminate. The job of that is you meet the standard or you don't, you don't get the credential. The app is different. It's more about continued education. And I think going into that with that idea, you could handle getting questions wrong and the opportunity to learn, which I find to be invaluable. I kind of like that. There's been questions that I've gotten wrong and I'm, you know, a little perturbed as to why. And then I read the explanations and kind of slap my head. Or this is something I did not know about and I can go research it. I just immediately got better. You know what I mean? Just by the nature of it, I just got better. And over the course of however many, really the better part of a year and many questions, By many, it depends, right? I think it's eight per area. So A1, A2, it could be as few as eight questions. And then, you know, I shouldn't even say what what the maximum is. It's probably at least in the 20s. 
you, you can probably get the question wrong and the follow-ups wrong and still have enough time and questions to get right, to get your eight credits, to earn your credential for another year. And then there's just the, where you get it wrong because you don't understand the system. You don't understand the process or the theory, you know, electrical questions. The reality is, is the app, the difficulty of the questions doesn't have to be quite as monitored as much as the written, meaning the questions for the app can be harder, more difficult, because it's different in that, in a way, it's open book. If you notice when you start the question, you have time to bail, but once it starts, you do have a time limit. And it's not like 30 seconds. It's usually minutes. And there's nobody saying you can't go and look something up. So in a way, it's kind of open book because that still feeds the education portion. I can't repeat it enough that it's different. And I think it's different in a good way. I like the challenge. I don't like getting questions wrong, especially when the ones where it's like, I'm really confident, like I've Rip through the question and oh, easy, boom, next, eh, wrong. What? Reread the question, like, oh, you moron. Okay. And then the, the follow up will come a couple weeks later, maybe, or a week later. And it's like, oh, I'm ready for you now. And then I take my time and I get it right because got a little cocky. For 98 years, the Napa name has meant quality parts and service. It also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business. No doubt, the technician shortage is impacting everyone, but you're not facing this battle alone. Napa has the solution by making Napa AutoTech training available near you. Napa AutoTech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, disciplined, measured, and high-quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor's skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. It's a fact. Technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technician's knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind, Napa AutoTech training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. Much of Napa AutoTech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa AutoTech is here to provide you with the training you need and the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa Autotech offers, contact NapaAutotech.com. A misunderstanding with the uh, app. You can do the app on a phone or a tablet. You can also do it on a computer. So some, some uh, areas, it's not such a big deal to do it on your phone. You don't really need a big screen. And honestly, I got to level with you. Most of the questions, at least with the A series, A1 through A8, you really don't need a big screen. They're, they're tailored fairly well for a phone, easier yet on a tablet. But you can do this all on a PC. If you really want it to take up a big screen, you can log in on a PC big screen. For some, that will help immensely. Do it. 
And a bit of advice, maybe don't put off taking the questions. Maybe don't wait for them to build up to eight. Try to do them right away. Give yourself as much time as possible to get the follow-ups if you get one wrong. Nothing would be worse as you know that you're coming up on the end. There's a time frame that you can take these questions and you're running up towards the end and oh man, you're getting your butt handed to you a little bit and you're running out of time. So as they come, try to take them, you know, or only let them build up to maybe a couple. Try not to fall behind. Just add stress you don't need. That's a bit of advice. And the other thing is just like, check the ego. Understand what the app's trying to do. It's trying to promote education, continued education. You've already proved you're an ASC certified tech. You've, you've met that criteria. Now let's maintain it and expand your knowledge level, your awareness. There's going to be EV questions. There's going to be questions on technology you've maybe never seen in your bay before. Well, then, of course, you might get the question wrong, but it gives you this opportunity now to go study up a little bit. If this was on the written exam and you failed, now you do not get your credential. There is no follow-up. You have to sign up again and potentially travel to go take the exam. And for some people that they're okay with that, They're, they're, let me just get it all done in one shot and then I'm good for years. And there's a lot of logic to that. The app, you don't have to travel. It's right there. And it's not so much about meeting a minimum standard. It's more about learning, continued learning, expansion, expanding your skill set, expanding your field of understanding. That's what it's all about. And that's the frustrating thing looking at the comments is just that failure to recognize what the app's trying to do and just coming down on it. Like, oh, this is a terrible question. No, it's a good question. It's on something you're not aware of. I've never seen. And then like the comments of like people are sure that ASC writes questions. I can assure you no one that's ever wore an ASC uniform that was employed by ASC has ever written a question. They've never wrote the question itself, set up the answer, set up the wrong answers, ran it by the group or not just skip that whole process and put it in the freaking exam. No, that is not how it works. Say what you will about ASE, but they take this stuff serious. They bring in subject matter experts. They bring in people from the field. Again, they may represent car manufacturers. They might be dealership technicians. They might be trainers. They might be curriculum developers from the manufacturers or multiple manufacturers that will usually represent. And then you have some from the independent world, independent technicians, usually they're in there and they're from, I would say a range of skill levels. You're, you're going to have big names in there and then you're going to have others that maybe better represent the techs out there and which we need, right? We're, that's who we're writing to. It doesn't necessarily do a lot of good to always write these questions that nobody can answer. They need to meet a certain criteria to make the exam or make the app. And you might have, once in a while, you might have an equipment tool distributor or manufacturer have a representative in there. Once in a while, maybe a uh, parts distributor or manufacturer. So you've got a good group of people, usually 20 plus, and they're the ones that write the questions. And then they review them together. And sometimes there's heated debates. 
passionate debates about a question. Is it fair? Are these three potential answers absolutely incorrect? And they do this multiple days in a row for hours and hours at a time, trying to put forth good questions that test your knowledge. One absolutely correct answer, three absolutely incorrect answers. The idea that there's more than one possible answer really shouldn't happen. Has it ever happened? I'm sure. Does it ever happen? I'm sure. It's a group of human beings in there. Something might skirt by or honestly, you, you can sometimes get in a habit of, you know, the answer, you know, the intent of the author and boom, it doesn't even hardly matter what the other three questions or potential answers are anymore. So, but generally it's gone through a couple of filters before it gets on there. And then the questions aren't just magically boom there. The questions get tested. They go through a test cycle where they're not scored and then ASE examines them using a psychometrician. They analyze the question, is it doing its job? So they take this stuff seriously. So the idea that ASE personnel are the ones that are just sitting there at their office cubicle or desk or whatever, pulling questions out of textbooks is a complete and utter lie or conjuration. Your imagination's running wild. Not true. I assure you it's not true. And if you find a question that is broken, this is maybe where ASE could improve, is making it a little bit easier to flag a question for review. And now (laughs) think about that double-edged sword for a second. You don't know what you're talking about. You got the question wrong. You're flagging it. A little bit of Dunning-Kruger, eh? There's nothing wrong with the question. Just didn't know. You could use more training on whatever. A little more experience. The question's fine. One correct answer, three completely wrong answers. On the flip side, though, you got to know when there is one of those questions that maybe snuck by and there's got to be a way to flag it. That's better than just pure memory because it's kind of the way it's working right now is you have to remember the question, maybe not verbatim, but enough to where one of the test managers can go, okay, I I think I know which one it is and they can go pull it and then they can have it reviewed. You know, in a workshop, they'll, you know, we're getting a lot of complaints about this. What do you guys think? Oh, How did we miss that? Or how did they miss that? How did that group miss that? Okay, we got to fix it. That's rarely happened, but it happened. I mean, I think everybody gets to reserve the right to be human. And then you have questions that age. And it's interesting. It's interesting how questions age. Some of them age and get easier. Some of them age and they get more difficult. Like imagine putting on like an engine performance exam, a distributor question. That would probably test very difficult. And some of them are really cool that you can watch over time when it first started getting used. It was a little more on the difficult side. And then it started to get a little bit easier and a little bit easier as everybody became more aware of this issue or the system, whatever. And it got easier and easier. And then it started to get harder and harder and harder, more difficult because it kind of didn't get used anymore. You know, maybe an example would be like a a return style fuel system that had a fuel pressure regulator that leaked. When it first came on the exam, maybe tests a little more difficult. People haven't really seen that yet. And then they start seeing it and it's a little more well-known. So it gets easier. Maybe it's almost to the point where it's so easy they're thinking about taking it off the exam, but not quite. And then as we evolve to returnless systems, the question starts to get a little more difficult. It's kind of cool to look at that stuff. But they'll go into review. Do we have to fix this question? Do we have to modernize it? Does it fit anymore? Do we have to just deep six it? So 
a lot of work gets put into this stuff. And I just think recognizing when you sign up for the renewal app to understand that you're not so much looking to to be differentiated or, or tested. Do you, do you meet the criteria anymore? It's more about, I'm going to continue my learning. And if I continue my learning and I keep getting more knowledgeable, I'm going to earn the credential. And that's going to mean a lot because it's not just the minimum standard anymore. It's I'm evolving. So I will leave you with that. I'm not going to sell you on which one to take. I think we need to support ASC. It's what we have. I guess I don't mean that as um, a complaint even, but ASC is only going to mean what we make it. If we're going to continue to crap on it, well, guess what? It's going to be worth crap. And if we decide that, hey, this is what the standard is, this is what's going to represent our competency, at least minimum competency, like any credential, and we rally behind it, shop owners start demanding it, technicians start desiring it. It's really going to be net good. Because we'll just twist this a little bit. We're in October right now. So let's just say that, that somehow, some way, something magical happens. And we as a profession are required to have ASCA credentials to service the systems that we're going to be working on. So if you're going to be undercar specialist or you're going to be doing brakes all day, you have to have your brake credential. You must be ASC certified in brakes to be able to do that professionally or something bad will happen to the shop or you. It would break the industry. Think about that for a second. It would break the industry. Not B-R-A-K-E break, B-R-E-A-K break. They Not enough would be able to pass. Think about that. That's where we're at. And then we're going to crap on the exams. Like what? So is it, are they perfect? No, come on. Could they be better? I suppose. You know, Hands-on would probably be better. Be a lot like FAA, probably be way better. Way more expensive. People already complain about how much they are already. So I think they deserve our support. They do give us what they say they do. The argument you're probably going to say is they should be out there campaigning to the motoring public why they should be seeking out the ASC certified techs, the ones that are paying them for the credential. And I used to think that way. That was my mindset. And then a really, really good friend of mine, Ryan Coyman, sits me down and offers a different perspective. And it's one that I found that my responses to, my arguments against, even in my own head, didn't hold. They are a test developer and administrator. That's what they do. We provide you this credential. It will be defensible in court. That means something. So you don't think it's hard enough. Great. You're a knowledgeable tech. I didn't pass. Well, they give you the result. They don't tell you which question you got wrong specifically. They can't. I mean, think about that. They can't, but you know what area it is. So I struggled in the electrical stuff. I got to go get some electrical training. Hey boss, I failed this exam and I really struggled in the electrical portion and I passed this one, but you can see I still, I really struggled on electrical. I need some electrical training. Okay, let's, let's get on that. And then, you know, in a few months I'll have you go take that exam again. Like it's not so negative when you fail. We just make this big deal. Like it's, if you don't pass, we're not paying you. I'm not paying for it again. What? You didn't pass and you got some valuable information. You found out your weak points. The shop found out what your weak spots are. Now we have a way to help. That improves the shop. All right, rant over. Thank you very, very much for listening. I really do appreciate it.
Thank you to the Aftermarket Radio Network for making this all possible. And thank you to our sponsor, Napa Auto Tech Training. And, you know, as usual, if you enjoy the show or have ideas for future episodes, would like to be on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I am very easy to find on social media. Just ask the hackers. And you can also email me at mattfonslowpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, take care. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.